I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history... We talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start our episode today, this is just a reminder, History Hack does have a Patreon account and all of your donations are gratefully appreciated. There's lots of perks on there, secret groups on Facebook. Do get involved. We would love to see more of you. Enjoy the episode today. Hello and welcome to another instalment of History Hack. I am very smug today. I am smug because I have this guest all to myself. Uh, and I know Beth and Lockie are going to be spitting blood when they hear this episode. But I did invite them and they both had to work. So, <laughs> because I have with me the incomparable Richard Van Emden. Richard, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm very children. I've just been away on holiday and I'm back now and I'm revving up to start my new book. Oh, what's the new book? Well, the new one is another one of those series I've been doing about uh, using soldiers' own photographs. Ah, okay. Private private images in the Great War. And um, so it's another volume. Perhaps I shouldn't say exactly what it is, because as I'm just about to start... No, you don't want anyone sweeping (laughs) in and starting. But uh, yeah, it's another another volume of those using the private photographs, so... Wonderful. But we are here today to talk about the fact that, and you've been doing this for a while, because I remember talking to you last time about it, uh, when you came on with Victoria Wallace, ages ago, ages ago now, in the land of History Hack. Um, And you were giving your Boy Soldiers book a right good going over, weren't you? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, it's it's been a passion of mine, of of all the subjects of the Great War, I suppose. The Boy Soldiers is the one I kind of I feel that I somehow own. It, yeah. It's it's a story which when yeah twenty years ago when I suddenly kind of started walking along the graves going hang on he's sixteen and he's fifteen I thought hmm this there's a story here and because no one had written anything about it I kind of feel that uh, that given this twenty year odyssey I've been on I kind of as I say I kind of slightly own the subject. But it's it's endlessly fascinating, and I've I've just updated, done a massive and final. I'm going to say final <laughs> update. I'm not going there again. I'm so knackered with it. But <laughs> the results are there, hopefully. Well, the result I have it is massive. It's like trebled in size. Uh, I love it. Yeah, well, it's it's not quite trebled, but it's probably gone up about thirty percent, which yeah. Um, it does seem a, a, a hefty tome, but it's at what about four four sixty four as opposed to three whatever it was before three thirty three forty. So yeah, a lot of new material and photographs as well. And if I know you, you are as bad as we are on History Hack. You will have gone down every rabbit hole and obsessed it to death in the course of doing this update, wouldn't you? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have sat there for literally years. We might be watching the the, the Bake Off or Strictly or whatever. And I'm literally plowing through like Ancestry Records. Yeah. Watching the, I just I cannot. If there's a rabbit hole to go down, I cannot not go. I have yeah. to do it. Have uh, to see it through. Yeah. And it generates. I mean, every now and again, you just go, oh, my God, look what I've just found. Phenomenal. And, uh, and very often, actually, with a lot of the research, it was you'd get a hint of something, but it was only through massive research that you could then tease out another 20 or 30 stories, all saying the th- same thing. And you could go, ah, right. OK, that's a theme. That's an act. That's a new part of the story, which if yeah. you just saw one person mention it, you go, well, that may just be that one person. But well, by the time you've done all that research and you glean all this new material, you can go, OK, that's a totally new story I've never thought about. Why do you think, because it's not just you, I mean, I know you, I mean, if any other First World War, War author went to their agent and publisher and went, I want to write about boy soldiers, the response would be, don't be stupid, that's what Richard Van Emden does. We know you love it, but why are people obsessed with boy soldiers? Oh, it's the innocence, isn't it? It's the sense of all these lads, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got this unique list at the back of the book now of of 70 lads, all under the age of 15, serving at Gallipoli or on the Western Front, three of them 13. And it's the sense of these young lads just desperate for a bit of adventure, something new, you know, every girl loves a lad in uniform and all these sort of stories that we've kind of grown up with. And I think it's just that sort of sense of, well, you know, these, 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 these boys had no idea frankly, none of them really knew what they were going to get into. It didn't matter what age, but that these boys went abroad to serve their country, to fight for their country. And the stresses and strains put on them were just so extraordinary. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you could write a book about the overage soldiers. You know, I've often wondered about doing that. It just doesn't have the cachet of, you know, talking about Here's a lad, he's 14 years old and he's at Gallipoli and how he dealt with. Part of the issue is, of course, you know, a young lad doesn't have the physical wherewithal to stand trench life. You know, he doesn't have the fat and the stamina and the and just the physical strength to carry out what he's expected to do. And so, so many of them broke down and it's tragic. It's so sad. You know, lads who frankly took something away from the army rather than gave something to the army because they physically couldn't handle the stresses and strains of, say, a winter campaign at Gallipoli. Then then again, (laughs) that winter campaign at Gallipoli, who could stand it? But, you know, a lot of these lads broke down and frankly, they shouldn't have been there when they're that young. It's unsurprising, really, that like people take them to their hearts. But I just want to say, tell you about a conversation I had in Belgium uh, this weekend. Uh, Beth and I were with a Great War Group member, with, with the guide, and we were talking about, you know, when you go to some of these boy soldier graves and they're literally buried under teddy bears and toys and things like that. And we thought, yuck, no. Yeah. Like, we decided on a consensus where think about how that 15-year-old boy would want to be remembered. He fought as a man. He pretended to be a man and he died doing a man's job. And what would he think if he could see his grave covered in teddy bears? Um, And we decided that actually it was probably not the right thing to do. Absolutely. I even mentioned that in my introduction, the new introduction I say about private, you know, Valentine Strudwick and the teddy bears outside his grave. That's exactly who we were talking about as well. (laughs) But yeah, and he's not the youngest, of course, but 
Um, he's of this, the most famous. And yeah, I mean, I say it sticks in the core of many that, that these teddy bears appear. I never knew Valentine Strudwick, you know, and I've no idea how he felt about it. But my guess is like yours, that he would have been slightly embarrassed by the whole thing. And he would have said, well, I served as a soldier. I just happened to die as a soldier. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I think they should be. I mean, you know, I still say in the introduction, look, there's n it's no more tragic a 15 year old lad dying than a 32 year old man dying who's got four kids under the age of 10. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just as tragic. It's simply different. It's yeah. just a different form of tragedy. But a lot of these lads, you know, they, you know, I spoke to them. I, you know, I met people like Dick Trafford and stuff. And a lot of them said, look, I'm glad I went. You know, I had the most amazing experience. It gave me so much. It took a lot too. But I'm not going to say I was this little lamb led to the slaughter. Uh, or what I would argue is that when you get down to 13 and 14, you really are dealing with lads who invariably will break down. They can't deal with that, that sort of physical stress, um, let alone mental stress. You know, by the time you get to 17 and 18, well, a lot of them perform better than, than older men, you know, older men who were suffering from all sorts of industrial injuries or from sciatica or, you know, whatever you like. You know, a lot of these lads perform better than those who are older. But once you get under 16, you really are on the holding with lads who will break down and will have to be shipped back. And I did a lot of stats, statistical work on this and, and, and relatively few who were under 16 survived very long on the Western Front. They were either pulled out because mum and dad kind of worked out, worked out they were there, they've got to get them home. Or a lot of them, especially in the winter of 15, 16, when thousands were shipped over. You know, they, they'd enlisted in the summer months of 1915, school holidays, what are we going to do? Come on, let's go and enlist. Well, unfortunately for them, that was normally a you know, three, four month training period. They're at Gallipoli or they're on the Western Front. And a lot of them just simply couldn't hack it. Uh, and they, they came home and frankly, it probably cost the army a lot to have them out there in terms of the training and the food and everything else. And then they've got to send them home. So it's just, it's a different type of tragedy. As I say, it's no different from the man who dies age 30 with four young kids. You know, it's the same sort of tragedy, but it just has that different flavour. You just reminded me of my favourite Richard Van Emden story. If people didn't hear you tell it last time, which was that you are you are the king of the war bores. That's what we've been calling ourselves. <laughs> because the war you, bores. Okay. Yeah, the war bores. We've got t-shirts and everything. Uh, but did, did you not used to go around old people's homes knocking on the doors and asking if there was anyone there who'd served in the war? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I go out to place like Whitney Bay and colour coats in the northeast and. Just and I learned very quickly. He said, "Have you got a, a man?" Because at that time they could be ninety and have served in the war. And I say, yeah. "You know, have you got any great war veterans here?" And they go, "No." But if you said, "Have you got any here aged ninety or above?" Very often, go, "Oh yeah, we've got a couple of those." And yeah. they just associate. You know, they didn't know they'd served in the war, so you had to quickly change and go. I'm after anyone aged ninety plus, and you know, nine times out of ten, they they'd served. Um, so, yeah, I hunted the I remember a friend of mine saying he was on a bus. He was saying, and that sat next to a man called Robbie Burns, who was banging on about Hague. And um, and he just came to study. He says he's the only Robbie Burns in Whitney Bay. Now, that isn't the Robbie Burns everyone knows, who's in the Cameron Highlanders lived in Wokingham. It's another Robbie Burns. And I literally went, knocked on his door. His wife opened the door. I said, oh, is there something called Robbie Burns here? Served in the Duke of Wellingtons. She went, uh, yes. She said, I'm out shopping, so... You'll find him in the back, you know, just wander through the house. You'll find him <laughs> in the back. And she left me to get on with it. He was love, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It was that, you know, Butte the Wall and Corn that attacked there on the right at the back end of the Somme and was at Arras. And, ah, terrific. But that's how, yeah, I used to go and just hunt them out. And 
Loved every minute of it. Absolutely, you know, never regret it. My only regrets were when I wasn't quick enough to respond to a veteran saying, come and see me, and then they died in the meantime. I have several of those. But I rang one and said, oh, I spoke to this lady. I said, your husband served in the war. She said, yes, dear, but he died today. Oh, God. Morning. And I was like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. So, yeah, um, those are the ones I regret. I should, you know, wish I'd met them earlier, clearly. So let's talk about these boy soldiers. Yeah. Explain the original book to us. What was the scope in the original? Okay, so the orig- originally, I mean, I had no no one had written about this. I mean, I went away going, okay, what, what books do I need to give me a kind of outline of the boy soldiers? Nothing. Nothing was out there at all. So it was literally generating the story. So I had no idea where I'd go with this. I mean, originally I thought, okay, I've met some boy soldiers. You know, I've got some material. I've got their memories of what it was like to serve in France, blah, blah, blah. blah. But what I didn't realise, for example, was there's a whole political angle. So a man called Sir Arthur Markham, a Liberal MP, fought the government for a year to get particularly the very youngest back from France and to stop them going overseas in the first place. And Hansard was full of it. So all of a sudden, so the original thing was, okay, I've not only got the stories of the lads themselves and what it was like for them to enlist and go overseas and I can find more material in books, but I've also got this incredible political angle. So, you know, I was able to kind of flip between one and the other. And that then I thought, okay, this is a book. This has the potential not just to be a kind of, you know, boy fest of stories of the Great War and how they enlisted underage, but also to bring out, to highlight the fact that there were pressures and, and, and pulls on, 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 on in, 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 in Parliament to get these good boys back. And so there was just way more material than I originally envisaged. So that was the original book. So that was, OK, I can now write, a, you know, 300 books sensibly about something which no one's ever studied before. And then I was going to say, like, the next question is, why did it need updating? It answers itself, because after that, you were Mr. Boy Soldier. And I'm guessing you've had everyone come at you with more stuff since that book came out. Yeah. And and sometimes, you know, I'm just very grateful. Somebody says, oh, my Uncle Fred served and he was 16 or 17 in the Great War. Are you interested? And you sort of, well, I am interested. I'm always interested. But in a sense, that doesn't add anything to the story. What I was after was new material, particularly on the very, very youngest, you know, on, on you know, on, on lads who were 13. And I have to say, I have three of those. But of course, the very, very youngest, Sidney Lewis, no one knew who he was. So when I updated the book in 2012, so originally it came out in 2006, I think, updated 2012, I still had Private S. Lewis was in the um, Mirror newspaper, um, served on the Western Front, enlisted at 12, served on the Western Front at 13, but still nobody knew who he was. So when I did the updated version of Boy Soldiers um, and, uh, uh, and and got publicity for it, it was meant to go in the Daily Mail and got pulled at the last minute. So we put it in the direction of the Sunday people. And that was the most, it was fate. It was absolute fate because it, we got a double page spread of the Sunday people and who should read the Sunday people but son of Private S. Lewis. No. And he contacted me and just said, that's my dad, Colin Lewis. He said, that's my dad. I've got all the paperwork to prove it. Had it not, had it gone in the mail, we would never have found out who Private S. Lewis is. And of course, there's the plaque on the house that he, he left from now. There's the blue plaque outside saying he's the youngest known soldier of the Great War. Uh, and of course, but that material, that material alone needed to go into the book because suddenly I could piece him together. He wasn't in the East Surreys, as it said in the newspaper. He was. He joined the East Surreys, but he transferred to the Machine Gun Corps. So we'd never, ever, S. Lewis, you know, uh, East Surrey Regiment, we'd never have found him. 
all of a sudden machine gun caught okay there he is that proves he was out there and i was able to piece it piece it together from there so that and that alone justified a kind of update that we had the very youngest and we could write a short chapter on him um but then there's lots of additional information as i said by looking at various new strands so i've spent the last god knows how many years you know looking at ancestry going through systematically going through every so, so what i do is put in age um, born 1896, enlisted 1915. It's a shortcut to find boys who are basically lying about being underage. So in 1915, you've got vast volumes. So I put in that date in 1896, it throws them all at that. I went through every regiment, the British Army, through all the records went of those that had those parameters, 19 and enlisted 1915. And I looked at every single record. And all of a sudden, out came, say, 13-year-old, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds by the bucket load. But um, but, you know, lads who, who said they were 19, but turned out to be 14. So, but what it threw out was new stories. So, for example, the Silver War Batch that was issued to men who, who were discharged yeah. normally through wounds or sickness, this was restricted. This was not given to boys who had lied about their age, who you know, enlisted uh, a misstatement as to age, as it was euphemistically called, and they're kicked out of the army. And they're saying to the British Army, look, for God's sake, you know, I've served at Gallipoli for five months. Can I have an SWB? And they're saying, no, you can't. And it's only by seeing large numbers of them that you build a picture of all these lads kicked back into civilian society, desperate not to be pilloried and spat at and, sh and shouted at and called a shirker by having an SWB. But it's refused. It's totally, they're being punished. Time and again, they ask, pleading for these medals and they get these badges and they're told, no, you're not eligible. Why aren't they eligible? They should have been eligible, for God's sake. The other thing which I discovered was the issue of punishing them when they're released. They had to pay for their own way home. So there are parents saying, my, my, my son's been brought back from France. Why is he still in the army? They say, you have to pay. He has to earn enough money to pay for his own fair home. Now, that's fine if you're training in Aldershot and you live in, I don't know, Reading. But if you're, if you're training in Aldershot and you're from Dundee, yeah. Now, how, how long is it going to take for you to get home? You've got to, all the separation allowances are cut anyway. You've got to sit there until you raise that money to go back. And in one instance, I've got this mother's mother gets her son back from France. Uh, she begs for him to be released. She doesn't know why. They say, well, he's got to earn enough money to pay for his own rail phone, rail phone, uh, rail fare home. And he literally arrives and that night he dies. And I thought, what the hell's happened to him? What is he throwing himself under a bus or something? So I pulled his his um uh his, his death certificate. He died of meningitis. So he walks in the door at five o'clock on a Tuesday evening, and he's dead by one in the morning. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history. We talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. And that is just so, so sad. And had he been released, of course, when he originally came back to the UK, he would have, he would have survived. Um, and so there are lots of these stories. And you pull them together and all of a sudden that makes a new chapter. You know, and it's called Patriotism is Not Enough, which is, of course, the famous quote from um, from Nurse Cavell. Um, but it wasn't enough. You know, they, these boys were 
punished in many ways for their temerity to enlist. And yet they were encouraged to enlist in the first place. That's the irony of it. It's bonkers, isn't it? I mean, and you, you've mentioned ancestry and obviously that the fact that they keep adding to this, the fact that the burnt records have gone on there, the silver war badges, the medal index rolls and that, which means you don't have to spend years sitting at queue. You can do it in yeah. front of, like you say, Bake Off. Uh, it's made it easier. Are there any big, was there another new avenue that you could go down source wise that didn't exist the first time round? Uh, no, I mean, the update has basically relied on, on massively on ancestry in terms of not only producing this unique list of the youngest soldiers to serve overseas. And I say they have to be under, not just overseas, but in a theatre of war, they have to be under 15 yeah. to make the list. There is a list of the youngest officers. I think seven or eight of them are 16 commissioned officers in France, age 16. So that allowed me to do that list. The the looking at the 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 um, records in terms of the, the these the medical records, say, brought out all sorts of news stories about punishing these lads, or 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 the fact that so many of them broke down in that with that first that second winter of the war 14 15 so I, I yes i mean i got new material from from books that i discovered were written by underage lads i got new material from people saying oh for example the black watch somebody said have you ever seen the war diary of the black watch for december 1914 i said no they said well if you're checking that they there's a draft of 191 boys who reach the sixth black uh fifth black watch and uh, 59 of them are found to be underage. They do a kind of assessment of the battalion and go, well, how many, how many lads have we got underage? It turns out 228 of that battalion in December, the 30th of December, 1914, are underage. Two, two, eight. So it's you know, new material that people have given me. But in terms of like the vast, the volume of new, new, new stories I've got, including new, new stories of individuals, have all come from ancestry. And uh, it's been the most fantastic resource. But to access that, I've had to spend years and years sitting there, plowing through systematically record after record after record. But also the other thing I say, that's the, the, the other thing I have used in a new way is the Commonwealth War Graves records. Yeah. But originally, my stats were basically based on saying, well, you know, how many lads? And this was before you could access the Commonwealth War Graves records in terms of saying, Okay, uh, right, put in their age and how many come up as being 17, how many come up as being 18. Originally, when I did the research, I literally went AA, AB, AC to ZZ. I've been there doing that to do a comprehensive list of Lusitania victims and stuff as well. It's like the ultimate nerd way to get what you want. Yeah, that probably (laughs) took two years to go through. They don't allow you to do that, funny. That search mechanism is, is, you can't use it. And then all of a sudden you could just put in 17 and bingo, here come all the 17-year-olds. But what it meant was I could do a kind of, I could do a a head count and I could sort of look at various other things and go, okay, well, I think it's about a quarter of a million. What I did this time and what the Commonwealth War Games really became so useful, I thought, hang on a minute, anyone who went overseas in 1914, 1915, it's on the medal roll saying, okay, they landed on the 15th of June, 1915. Yeah. Okay. So why it, so for people that don't know, that's if they served in those two years, they get a separate medal, which is the, the 14 or the 1415 star. And on those medal rolls, unlike the other medal rolls, it tells you the date they set foot in a theatre of war. Yeah, exactly. So after the 1st of January, 1916, you can't identify 
in most cases, or the vast yeah. majority of cases, when they set foot in France. So that's a problem. So so I could never go, well, okay, how many lads aged, you know, 19 who died in 1916 had actually been overseas since 1914? I thought, well, why don't I do that? Why don't I look at, you know, go, okay, I'm going to look at 21-year-olds who were killed in 1918. How many of them are there? Right, there are 10,000, let's say. How many of those 10,000 have actually got the 14-15 star? How many of them have got the 14 star? And that blew my mind. The numbers just rocketed because I'd never looked at it like that. Again, it takes a huge amount of research. So you can look at, you know, 19-year-olds in 1916. You can look at 19 and 20-year-olds in 1917. You can look at 19, 20, 21-year-olds in 1918. And if they've got a 14-15 star, they have to be overseas aged you know 17 or under you can still you can even do it for 22 year olds i've got 22 year olds died in the last kind of 100 days mm. who are out in 1914 aged 18 or 17 so you know it, it it that then blew the figures just went wow and now i'm up to and i basically in the first editions i said okay i'm going to take the lads who were killed in 1918 as aged 18 i'm going to include them but of course, for six months, well, sorry, end of March to August, they were allowed to survey overseas aged 18 and six months. So I yeah. couldn't tell if it had been an 18 and three month old and an 18 and eight month old. So I said, well, we'll kind of include them because there's lots of exclusions as well. This time, I've, I've left them out completely. I've not even looked at 1918 in terms of saying statistical evidence for 18 year olds. I've just gone, I'm not, I'm just going to ignore them completely. Because what I can do is look at 19 year olds in 1916, 20 and 20 year olds, 21 year olds in 1917, 18. So, and as a proportion of, of the numbers who were killed aged that, you know, what proportion are actually serving overseas earlier on? And that has just rocketed the figures to 400,000. 400,000. Now, that includes a percentage who enlisted and never served overseas. So I, that, yeah. that's including that. But in terms of, in terms of numbers who served overseas, I originally said quarter of a million served in the British Army and 65% didn't serve overseas. I've now actually looked at that and that's changed. It's 65% did serve overseas. And of that 400,000, about a quarter of a million do go abroad. And that is a conservative figure. I've got a list at one point of 10 exclusions where I say, I haven't bothered including these. I haven't bothered including these. I have Because I can't say absolutely 100% in every case that that is he is underage so i'm going to leave all them out so even with exclusions i'm up to 400 mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's nuts. You know Frank Lampard's granddad is in there, a great granddad is in there. 
uh, as a 15 year old. But he, no. yeah, he enlists and he literally gets as far as Winchester and they send him home again. So he must have uh, really looked 15 because it literally has a line through the page. It just says underage. He like, obviously turned up and someone went, what idiot took this kid's signature? Seriously? And yeah, sent yeah. him off again. Um, well, there is one kid. I've got one kid in the book who I discovered he's 13. And, uh, um, oh, no, so I'm, I'm getting that confused. I've got one little, he's 13. They said would make a really good soldier, so let's take him anyway. And there's another one who's 15, who comes from a school, I can't think of the name of the school, but it's, in the, it's a school for the mentally deficient or something it's called. And even they, even when he's brought home, even when he's sent home, there's records just going, he doesn't even know when he arrived in France. He does, he's not a clear idea of who he is and what he's doing there. I mean, you just go, how, how did he get overseas? It's just nuts. Now, yeah, he's an exception to the rule, but there were some great, great stories. Of, of individuals who you just go, hang on a minute, he's four foot ten, he's got a 28 inch chest. How on earth did he, he get He won't that? sleep without the light on. Um. But, but <laughs> the thing is, is, I don't blame recruitment sergeants because if they thought that these boys would never go overseas, a lot of them say, well, I enlisted them, not because I thought they would fight for their country, because I thought they needed a square meal and the army would get, give them, get them out of a coal mine, give them fresh air for six months, they'll you know, good, good, three good meals a day, and then they can leave the army and go back to work. So a lot of them, it wasn't a question of just going, I'm going to get a quick shilling, although, of course, that's what a lot of them did do. But it was also to go, look, this will do them the world of good, and they'll never see action anyway. And a lot of parents allowed their kids to go with that perception too. Can we go off down a rabbit hole that isn't on the list of questions? Sure. <laughs> you mentioned uh, finding new themes, like finding enough strands that look the same to be able to say there's a pattern here. Tell yeah. us about one or two of those. Well, as I say, the, 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 the major ones are the patterns that are, are the punishment. So the S, the S, the Civil War badge was the new pattern that emerged even yeah. though you go well and in fact one thing they didn't put in the book and i slightly regret it afterwards as i did wonder there were so many kids going please please give me an swb and i did find up did find a number who shouldn't have got it who did get it and i did one begin to wonder which again would affect my statistics statistics in an upward pattern was that there were, um, I did wonder whether people uh, discharged boys not because they were in, um, they, they were misstatement as to age and they'd been sent home at age 16, but, unlo- you know, uh, being unfit or gave them any other characteristic which would allow them then to get the SWB. So if you're discharged as being misstatement, you ain't going to get it. If you discharge them for any other reason, such as um, such as wounds or, 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 you know, just general unfitness, you will get it. And I did wonder whether... That was something I couldn't prove it, but I did wonder whether, in fact, a lot of the boys that I missed, that I would miss, because I, I, I didn't see discharge misstatement as to age, were, yeah. were sent home uh, given the SWB because they were discharged for other reasons. And that is a possible additional, you know, upward move, would, would push my figures even higher. And as yeah. I said, the other thing, which the other main theme that came out was um, this, uh, you know, forcing them to pay for their, 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 their train route. Um, uh, train fare home and the stresses that put on parents so a lot of parents were threatened with you know basically told you need to pay to get him home they weren't expect they weren't it wasn't legal they could say you have to pay for your son to get home there's a lot of pressure put on parents to pay up and a lot of them say I simply cannot afford to do it and one lady there's one really good letter from a lady who says who 
You could read it one of two ways, but it sounds like she's being threatened to say, unless you pay for him to come home, unless you pay for him to come home quickly, we may rescind our, revoke the, the policy of not sending, him, not sending him overseas. In other words, pay up or your son may find he goes abroad. Yeah. And you could read it in one of two ways and, and it, it's slightly opaque. Maybe it was deliberately opaque, but you felt the pressure on parents saying, look, all my all allowances have been cut off. I need him either home earning money so that we can all live. But the one thing I can't do is not, is I can't afford to live without him allotting me a shilling a week or two shillings a week from his wages to keep me going. And now all of a sudden that's cut off. And all you're doing is putting that money in the piggy bank so he can then pay for his train fare home. And of course it was entirely unfair because if the army, one lady goes, you took him from, you know, Aberis, you took him from um, Aberdeen to, to, to Aldershot. I didn't ask you to. So you bloody well bring him back again. You know, you <laughs> it's a fair back. point, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas there's a guy, a lad, who's who's literally uh, training in somewhere like Lowestoft and he lives in Ipswich or something. And it's going to take him, you know, the train fare is going to, it's all of, you know, whatever miles. It's a short distance. It's going to cost him probably a couple of days money to get him home. Whereas, you know, these trades, that, again, if you've got to go into Glasgow and then go out to Aberdeen and then up the coast a bit, that could cost you, it could, you could be there for a, a couple of months. Yeah. You know, so, so that, was a, that was a huge theme that came out. And, of course, the theme of young lads who, of course, you think about Kitchener's Army all enlisted in 1914. Now the great enlistment is 1915. But yeah. what you realise, of course, is loads of kids are just pumped out to battalions that are shorter, shorter men and in very, very quick time. So a lot of them, I mean, I've got lads going out to France at the age 15 with eight weeks training, six weeks training. Uh, it's not typical, but there is enough of them to make you go, blooming it. And if they join up in August when it's nice and hot, then they're going to find themselves out there in, you know, no, on Gallipoli in, in that great storm in whenever November 15 or on the Somme. You realise that actually a lot of these lads are going to break down. So again, that was a theme again, just from letters from parents. Letters saying, I even got a letter saying, I'm happy for my son to go out underage, but could you make it the spring when it's a bit warmer and you'll be able to handle the conditions better? (laughs) Please don't send him out in November. So there's a lot of that. So those, again, those those strands came together to produce a a new chapter, which wasn't there before. Brilliantly. Um, So we've, talks haven't we so you can employ rules to your statistical analysis and you can be mindful of how they could be skewed by certain things uh, but it really isn't easy to be accurate with these cases to 100 percent, is it I mean they're, they're fundamental these stories are built on lies these kids lying about their age um how difficult is it to tease out the accuracy I take it you're comparing it all to Birth, birth, death, and marriage records as well to be able to find when they're they're registered as being born or maybe parish records as well. Yeah, but no, I mean it's, it's actually really straightforward. If they're discharged, this statement as to age, it usually has their date of birth on the record. So yeah. the reason why they've been discharged is somebody, the parent, have to send the birth certificate. The the date is registered on there, which is how I've got these seventy lads under fifteen because it says you know born nineteen oh two, nineteen oh one. So it's, it's, it, they might, the lads themselves might have lied. It might be very difficult for the army at times to sift who is really a 17-year-old or 19-year-old and who is lying and he's a 16-year-old. But in terms of dealing with that evidence now, it's actually relatively straightforward because, you know, on, in the cases where I simply couldn't, you know, for whatever reason, the, the date of birth was missed off the records, I just then applied for a birth certificate, which is a bit expensive. To yeah, keep it's like a tenner ago. <laughs> 
you know, needs must. And I thought, I'm not going to miss this boy off simply because I'm not going to pay 25 quid. So it's for the for the youngest ones, I made a, you know, made a policy of making sure that each one absolutely verified and there's no issue with, you know, am I, you know, he's, he, have I got him right or wrong? No, 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 no. They're in because I've got him right. There's a lot of 14-year-olds are not in the book, in the records, in my records, simply because I cannot prove 100% that they were out there aged 14. Um, this guy, even after, even when I posted the first tweet about it, somebody said, Private Elks, who is killed in 1917, age 15, he was out there age 14. I said, well, I couldn't prove that. I couldn't. And he sent me a newspaper article saying, a contemporary newspaper article saying this boy had been out under fire before his 15th birthday. I thought, oh, well, I never saw that. But yeah. I couldn't, I tried to prove that he was under, he was 14 when he went overseas. I couldn't. So he's out the records. There's somebody else to send me in another old contemptible who was 14. So they're still coming in the numbers. This but is it's the t- thing, it's never going to be over, Richard. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, it is for me because actually it doesn't add anything to the story. I've proven that a lot of kids out there age. 14 certainly and even some age 13 i don't need to put additional proof in i've done yeah. my stats i've got three chapters about stats it, written in a way that's not dull i hate to add but trying to say this is how i've worked out the figures and i've given myself a 15 percent margin as well saying you know you know it's not it can't be 100 percent accurate but even when you give yourself that margin the numbers are just incredible and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the final results. And, and um, you know, so far, I've got nothing to make me go, oh, no, another update is necessary. Unless, of course, somebody goes, this is my granddad and he's 12 and a half and he's on the specimen front. You know, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. I, I, so I'm, do, I'm interested in the Silver War Badge thing. So for those that don't know, a Silver War Badge is a badge you get when you get like invalided out of the army or you're no longer fit to continue and you can wear it around and it basically says to people bugger off I've served I'm wounded don't give me any shit for not being in the army um that they wouldn't give those to boys who had been overseas and had served with distinction and then got sent home because they were lying about their age and yet my rabbit hole at the moment is self-inflicted wounds and I got no evidence that anyone is denied more than one or two but that's because they have other disciplinary infractions None of them are denied their silver war badge, even if their wound is self-inflicted. Yeah, I've got one in the book uh, where he's he's a bundle of trouble. He gets to also they shoot. He eventually takes his own finger off. He then goes back to England. He uh, he then does a bunk, goes back into the army, does a bunk again. I mean, he's just all sort. He's just you know, the army can't stand him. He actually does get his SWB, um, despite the fact in the end he he is discharged as as underage. But he's originally he's 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 sent home because he shot his finger off. Yeah. Uh, but but I found I mean I did find one or two really interesting cases where you know just it's, it's an administrative error presumably where kids who who were discharged as underage still got the SW just through an oversight yeah. or something going oh stuff it you know I'll, I'll give him one anyway I don't know whether that would happen but but um, but on the whole it was a pretty hard and fast rule and if you were discharged as, as underage you just didn't get it no matter how long you'd served in France and some of them it's you know this. I mean, there's one guy called Herrick Vega Vega or something, and he loses, you know, he's underage. He loses his toes through phosphorus. He's there in the great storm of 1915, loses his toes, loses his foot or what his feet to frostbite. He's in a terrible state. And he then, of course, is discharged as, as, as 
you know, not underage, but because of wounds, he gets his SWB. But another boy who goes to exactly the same storm is there in in Gallipoli for probably a couple of months younger, longer, doesn't get it simply because he doesn't, in the end, get discharged as, as for, for injuries or, or for wounds or anything else. And he just says, look, I'm 15, I've been out there for this length of time. No, you're not getting one. So it was unfair. isn't it? That that storm is the one where trenches are just being washed away. It's like flash flooding. And they're all yeah. wearing summer clothes, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. It just came out of nowhere and one of the worst storms in living memory, you know, at that time. And it did it killed a lot of a lot of men, whether they were, you know, 15 or, or 50. Um, but these lads just uh just so many of them couldn't after that. I mean, who could stand that kind of weather in thin clothing? It was impossible. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some great stories and there's some new there's some new additional stories where it's just really moving in a funny sort of way. There's one lad who's he joins the IRA. He's in the Connaught Rangers. He's on Gallipoli, age 16, and it's a really amazing story because he goes back. He gets discharged about six weeks before the East Uprising, and he's obviously radicalised by the by everything that goes on then. And in 1921, he he's, he's involved in an ambush. And he on some policemen and he himself gets killed and he's buried by the IRA and he's dug up and it's and it's proven that he's, you know, that this is the lad and blah blah blah. And and you just go, this boy's life has just been violence, you know, from the yeah. moment he gets him, he's never escaped the aggression, the fighting, the anger, you know, for good or ill. And he's gone through and he's fought the British, who he'd fought for, and then he ends up in this one foot grave in a cemetery with a little plaque on his chest saying, This is this lad, and he is a member of the IRA, blah, 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 and he's been killed in action. But you go back, and there he is at Gallipoli with the Connaught Rangers. And so there's some really kind of moving stories, and we just think, well, violence has been their life, and it was their death. It's. I was going to ask you, I think you may have just answered one of the next questions, which was, which of the new additions moved you the most? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of new additions, but in a sense, that one, simply because, you know, at least... At least for so many of them, they were able to build new lives and go back to civilian life and create something for themselves and have a family. And you just felt with this lad, you know, I neither approve nor disapprove what he was doing. It was just it was just the sadness of the violence of which he just lived for from 1915 to 1921. And that, you know, so that is from the age of 15, 16 through to his death. So that, in a sense, it it just, you know, it, it, it was just particularly poignant. Um, I found a couple of new ones. I found if you accept, and you know, I, it's up to the individual whether Condon, you know, Private Condon, um, John John Condon, yeah, yeah. Uh, the youngest to have died. Well, there's very strong evidence that perhaps he isn't as young as people think he is. So who's the next one? Well, Aubrey Hudson, um, serving with the Royal Fusiliers, he's killed at age 15 and 28 days. He's already been wounded age 14. He's been out for several months. So he now is the next one on the list in terms of who is the youngest. And then I've got another and a photograph of him as well, a guy called James, James Thompson, uh, Thomas, James Thomas, who is 15 and 31 days. And he's killed within a couple of weeks of arriving in France. And both of them on the Tierfell Memorial. So all of a sudden now, I'm going to go to the Tierfell Memorial again, which I haven't been to a couple of years. It'll be amazing to see both their names on that memorial. Um, but they are possibly now the new first and second youngest killed, known killed. I'm absolutely convinced that somebody somewhere was killed age 14. I just haven't found him. Um, But I've got enough 14-year-olds who are wounded and have just been really lucky to survive 
I mean, one of them's wounded at Flair's age 14 in, on the 15th September 16. You know, they could say that bit of shrapnel could have so easily moved on two inches to the left and killed them. And they would then be the a 14 year old. So I'm sure there were. Yeah, there must be one somewhere that has yeah. slipped through your net. I mean, the idea yeah. that every single one of them would have survived is... And not just one, probably more yeah. than one. Because, you know, there are a raft of kids who enlisted using false names and we were, they are lost to history. We don't know who they are. You know, the army didn't know who they were. They were killed and they were killed using a false name. So, you know, I'm sure there's a 14-year-old amongst them. As I say, we just simply have that. I did find one who was 14, but it there was, it, there was so much confusion over some neighbours who appeared to be of exactly the same name. In the end, I thought, I can't, I just can't prove that. And it, it uh, so I left that one. But um, I think, I think it's some, you know, uh, sort of births and deaths and family relationships and things that had all kind of got mixed up in this, in this, in these couple of houses that neighboured yeah. each other. And I got a feeling that actually this 14-year-old is probably older, but it looks like he's 14. But I, as I say, so he's the only one I found that possibly had a question mark against him. But um, the youngest that I can absolutely 100% prove is, say, 15 and 28 days. It's mad. Just what was I doing at 15 and 28 yeah. days? Um, yeah. You mentioned Sydney, but of the ones from the original book, which one has on, undergone the most change? Uh, well, well, Sydney. I mean, the rest of them I was able to flesh out. I mean, you know, um, Jack Pouchot, who I always thought was amazing. You know, the 15-year-old Distinguished Conduct Medal winner. Um, you know, I had his story and his story went in and I didn't need to expand on it or, or reduce it. So it's not that any individual has gone a, a, had a sort of renaissance and I found a load, loads more material. There are one or two that I just happened to find a few more additional details, which I thought, actually, that would be useful to put in. But essentially... Um, it's new characters, new individuals, and they're own, they only go in because they add something to the story. There's no point in just adding another, you know, dozen 17-year-olds or another dozen 16-year-olds simply because they happen to be there. They've got to add something to the, to, to, to the, to the overall thesis. So there are new people like that. But in terms of a character who does appear in the previous edition, who is now fully fleshed out and he's changed, he's, Sydney is the, is the one, but yeah. everybody... There was a, there is actually there's a there's a lad who impersonated and he's not really a soldier who impersonated his brother and went to France age fourteen so his brother came back on leave said I'm not going back again took his uniform off and scarfed and his fourteen year old brother put the uniform on got to France arrived at the battalion on the eve of the March offensive and then runs around with the battalion for two weeks to can't get rid of him um, and I found a photograph of him and his brother. And they do look remarkably similar because at the time I thought, oh, they would know instantly. And I'm sure they did know instantly, but you know, they actually they do look physically quite similar. But um, so there's a little more with him because there's a photograph, and I've got additional photographs. I mean, I haven't spoken about those, but I've got you know because I buy privately taken photographs. So I've got a picture of George Moore VC, the VC from Gallipoli, the boy boy officer from Gallipoli who won it. So he's VC at 18. Well, I've got a picture of him on the Somme in 1916. Uh, um, you know, never before published photograph that happened to be in an album I bought, and he, of course, died a week before, about a week before the end of the war. Yeah, uh, one or two other officers as well who were seventeen years old in the trenches, having been promoted from the ranks. So there's new, lots of new new images um, as well, which wasn't in the original update. I didn't add any new picture section, but this time over those years, I've got more material, new photographs. 
including a 40 I got him off. Um, again, sometimes you think these things are meant to happen. There was a, a lad whose his medals came up on um, yeah, on eBay. Uh, no, sorry, on the on the saleroom.com. And he's yeah. 14 years old, 14 and 71 days. So I think he's my sixth youngest. And uh, I forgot all about the sale. And I couldn't believe it. And I didn't, didn't, and I went on thinking, oh, God, who's bought them? And they hadn't been sold. And they appeared on eBay about a month later. And I bought them. And there's a photograph of him, you know, and his story. And it says, a very plucky lad on his discharge papers. And it says he's 14 and 71 days. So somehow, you know, I was absolutely dead sure I'd missed them and they'd been sold. But no, lo and behold, they turned up again this time on eBay, and I was able to buy them, and his story's in there too. That's mad. Richard, thank you. This has been amazing, as ever. Uh, <laughs> some enthusiasm for this. I love that you got it done. I love it. It's brilliant. Thanks. It arrived, and I was like, look how big it is! <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not a coffee table-style book, so it's, it's, a, it's still one you can just about pack in your bag if you're going on a holiday or anything else you can you and you absolutely should because it's brilliant it will be available on the great on great war group well it is available on the great war group but uh, bookshop but it's also available on the history hack bookshop which is why we're here uh this has been brilliant thank you richard everybody go buy the book it's amazing thank you alex when our guests join us to talk about their work and their new book the 45 minutes or so they spend with us is just a taster of all their efforts So to this end, we have launched our very own bookshop on bookshop.org, where you can find our guests' latest and greatest books. You can support them and you can support History Hack too. 10% of every sale via our bookshop supports the podcast and allows us to keep at it and bring you more amazing guests. You can find our bookshop at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash history hack or just search on bookshop.org for us under the shops bit. Thank you for your continued support, and here's to your next great book. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.